One of the things that we should all notice is that the devil knows his enemy. He knows where our Lord is. He knows that his battle is with the Catholic Church. It's actually kind of obvious. When the devil really wants to mock and blaspheme our Lord, what does he do? Mock a synagogue service? Mock the prayers at a mosque? Mock a Pentecost revival? Or mock the Mass? Everyone knows that he has a black Mass. He knows who his enemies are. In his battle, the devil made his biggest mistake when he thought he could destroy our Lord and his work by having him taken out and killed by his tools. But the day the devil thought would be his greatest victory, we call Good Friday, which must really drive this moron crazy. On Easter Sunday, then, the devil learned to his horror that our Lord was dead, he had the power to resurrect himself. And then on Ascension Thursday, the devil watched in frustrated rage as our Lord ascended into heaven and threw open the gates of heaven to mankind, the gates of heaven that have been slammed shut since the original sin, led men in to take the thrones that were lost when he led the angels in their rebellion and they fell from heaven. Men are now taking their thrones in heaven. And on Pentecost, how enraged the devil must have been when he saw our Lord send down the Holy Ghost to give the Catholic power that same indestructible life and same incredible power that he was studying in our Lord, as we see in today's Gospel. He hasn't forgotten any of this. He knows his enemy. Over the course of the centuries, then, he's continually trying to destroy the church. In the early days, what did he do? Bloody persecution. But the church weathered those storms. Then he turned to heresy, spring up every possible kind of terrible error. Church weathered those storms. Now he's moved on to combination attack. He's going after the passions by providing virtually every temptation that anyone could possibly desire. Any temptation known to man. And on top of that, he's got the most unbelievable heresy the church has ever seen, full-blown, going full steam. And on top of that, he has the rulers of the world, all his tools in the media, education and government, finance, the church. He's got them engaging in a harassment, kind of mocking persecution, which for the most part hasn't yet broken out into bloodshed. Catholics saying the rosary every day and living the message of Fatima will survive this attack. No one else, but they will. In today's gospel, we see the devil, who thanks to Adam, had been securely ruling the world. We see him testing Christ our Lord. He's probing, he's looking, he's trying to figure out, who are you? What are you? What am I dealing with here? When this guy was born, the angels and even kings showed up. And then even though I got my tool, Herod, to kill all the kids in the region, somehow he slipped my grasp and then hid out, who would have thought it, in my own kingdom of Egypt. 
I haven't seen him commit the slightest sin yet. Who is this guy? What am I dealing with here? This is what the devil's trying to figure out. What is it that I'm up against, huh? See, he's been doing all that teach one of us since we've been born, taking the measure of us. That's why Lent's important. We have to start working on our particular problems because believe me, he knows us better than we do. Where's their weak point? He's testing. He throws a little thing up here. Have an idea there. Notice that and so forth. That's how he works. He's studying because he has a plan. He doesn't want us to take one of those thrones in heaven. And that's what he's doing with our Lord because so far, nothing. Our Lord's been slipping through his grasp all the way. All right. The devil at that time couldn't answer who are you and what are you. But each one of us ought to be able to. Our whole religion is about a loving relationship with our Lord. And as Frank Sheed used to say, it'd be a mighty strange God who could love more by knowing less about him. Okay? So we'll spend some time this morning taking a closer look at our Lord. Who are you? What are you? We'll look at his knowledge, too. It'll be sort of a mini-course in Christology, okay? Some of it'll be a review, but that's all right. We'll rely mostly on St. Thomas and Frank Sheed to get through this, okay? Let's start by asking ourselves two questions about our Lord. Who are you? And what are you? Okay, who is he? First thing to note is Christ is not a human person. That's right. You heard me correctly. Christ is not a human person. What are you saying, Father? That doesn't sound right. Well, in order to understand this, let's review. We have to make sure we understand the meaning of two words, person and nature. Okay, let's start with nature. Suppose we're out camping in the woods and we hear a crashing noise in the middle of the night. We say, what was that? Is that a tree falling? Is that an elk going through the timber? Is it a grizzly bear? It's a mountain lion. What was that? We're asking a question. What was that? We're asking a question about nature. A tree and a grizz and a mountain lion, they all have totally different natures. I'm wondering, what is that? What's the whatness of that thing, okay? Nature is the answer to the question, what? A tree has a different whatness than a bear or lion. And the nature determines what something can do, kind of its performance characteristics. Trees breathe in carbon dioxide and breathe out oxygen. Huh? They can live on sunlight, huh? They make food from sunlight. That goes with tree nature. A fish swims through the water, has gills, breathes water, you know, gets the oxygen out of that. Birds, bird nature. They have feathers, they lay eggs and all this. So a nature is its whatness, and it also determines what it can do. Fish, you know, they're not out, they, they don't grow in the forest. Trees don't swim through rivers, all right? It's proper to nature. It answers what they can. So nature answers what is it and what can it do. What is it and what can it do? That's the question when we, we ask what is it or what can it do, we're asking about natures. Person answers the question who? Suppose we're sitting there, we're in our little cabin in the forest and we hear a knock at the door. We don't sit there and look at each other and go, what was that? You know, we know what that is. We know that someone knocking on our door. You don't go, I wonder if that's a tree. I wonder if that's a grizzly bear. I wonder if it's a, we know it's someone knocking on the door. In fact, it'd be very creepy if you opened the door and there was nobody there. Who, who, who did that? You know, there's other kinds of persons besides us. Yeah, we, the devil is, is, is one of them. Anyway, so who is that? Okay, we don't wonder who, what's there. We say who's there. Who is a person? We already know the nature. We're dealing with the human nature there. Okay, nature gives an ability, but natures don't do anything. A person 
knocks at a door. Nature doesn't knock at a door. I'm a per, we all have human nature here, huh? Well, I, so we each can potentially talk. Hopefully I'm the only one talking right now. We can listen. You're supposed to be listening and so forth. But I'm talking. My nature isn't talking. You're listening. Your nature isn't listening. You're sitting. Your nature isn't sitting. The nature determines what we can do, but who does it? A person. A person is the principle of action, huh? A person does things, all right? So a person goes for a walk. His nature doesn't go for a walk. A person cries. A person lives. A person dies, okay? A person answers a question, who? All right. So nature answers the question, what is it? What can it do? A person answers the question, who is it? Who's doing it? Now let's apply that to Christ our Lord. With Christ our Lord, there's one who and two what's. There's one who and two what's. It's one person, but he's not a human person. Our Lord is a divine person, the second person of the most blessed Trinity, God the Son. Remember, person answers the question, who? God? Who's doing it? God. What does this mean? It means that everything that Christ our Lord does is done by whom? By God, the second person of the blessed Trinity. Okay? So, what is he? He's got two natures. He's got two what's. He's God. means he has a divine nature, so he can do all things possible to God. What can he do? He can raise people from the dead, do miracles, hold whole universe in being, read men's hearts, and so forth. Okay? And he's man. That means he has a human nature. It means he's got a body and a soul. He can laugh. He can cry. He can bleed when he's cut. He can eat. He can die. How can God die? This is God eating, laughing, crying. Remember, because who does it? The person. So everything our Lord does is done by God. So if he's cut and bleeds, that's God bleeding. If he dies, he dies. How can God die? God can die the same way we can die. He has a body and a soul. Death means the soul leaves the body. And on Good Friday, our Lord's soul left the body. On Easter Sunday, he put his soul back in his body. He could do that. We can't do that part. He does that at the resurrection of the dead. But he could do it. He's God. Who is he? He's God. Okay, so who is he? He's God, Son, second person, blessed Trinity. What is he? He's God, so he can do all the things proper to God. And he's man, so he can do all the things proper to man. Okay, now, that's who and what. Let's take a look at our Lord's knowledge. We've just seen that our Lord is one person with two divine natures. In his divine nature... He knows everything. He's God. He fits a job description. He isn't going to learn anything. He isn't going to forget anything. He knows it all. From all eternity, in his divine nature, he knows everything. Okay? So that's, in the divine nature, we've covered it. What does he know? Everything. What about his human nature? Okay. Oh, remember who knows it, though? Second person of the blessed Trinity, God. Let me say something right here, too, though. Sometimes we'll hear people say things like, Our Lord didn't always know that he was the Messiah. You'll hear things like this. A lot of times guys with collars on will say things like this, okay? It's easy to correct this strange idea. We'd say something like this to him. Who are we talking about here? When you say our Lord doesn't know who he is, who are we talking about here? Who? We're talking about the second person of the most blessed Trinity, God the Son. Now, if you know who you are and I know who I am, why would it be a surprise that God knows who he is? 
what you're saying is blasphemy, okay? We don't want to make him laugh, but we can point out that what you're saying is God forgot who he was, or he has amnesia, or he doesn't know, or something like this. It's complete blasphemy. Of course he knows who he is. Of course he knows he's the Messiah. He wasn't sitting around one day under some banyan tree and have enlightenment. You know, that's for the pagans. This is God we're talking about here, okay? So that's how we can gently confuse these kind of confused, or correct these kind of confused characters, if they'll take the correction. Okay, what about his human nature? Let's talk about the human knowledge he has. He has three kinds of knowledge. Our Lord has three kinds of knowledge. He has beatific knowledge, infused knowledge, and acquired knowledge. Beatific knowledge, infused knowledge, and acquired knowledge. Okay, what's beatific knowledge? It has to do with the beatific vision. Okay, Father, so what's the beatific vision? Beatific vision is how the saints in heaven see God. And they don't see him with the eyes of their body, because most of them don't have their eyes. Of course, Our Lady does. Okay? How do they see God without eyes? Their intellect is in direct contact with the essence of God. Okay? See, in this life, we know things by means of the ideas we have of them. That's how we know God right now, by the means of the ideas we have of him. Okay? But in heaven, instead of knowing God by the means of the idea we have of him, we'll know him directly. We'll see as we are seen. So our intellect, please God, everyone here will get to heaven, our intellect will be in direct contact with the divine essence, which means our mind. It's in direct contact with this infinite, inexhaustible, ineffable truth. Direct contact with the intellect. But unlike the saints, unlike every human being, the human person that has to wait to get to heaven to get the beatific vision, Christ our Lord possessed the beatific vision from the very first moment of his conception at the Annunciation. That means as man, from the very first moment of his conception... Using his human intellect, he could see the very essence of God. Now, there are limits on his knowledge. Why would there be limits on his knowledge? Because our Lord, in his human nature, has a human intellect, which is not infinite. He can't know everything that could be known about the infinite God. Why? A finite mind can't comprehend, can't surround an infinite being. His human soul is still a creature. A creature cannot comprehend, put its arms around the infinite being of God, okay? So what can he see? In his vision, besides being able to see the very essence of God, he can see everything there is to be known about all creatures, past, present, and future. Everything. That's his beatific knowledge. He knows, he sees the essence of God, although he can't get it all in. And he sees everything that can be known about all creatures, past, present, future. The secrets of your heart. What you're thinking right now. Everything. Everything. Okay? Infused knowledge. Infused knowledge. What's that? This is knowledge that's poured directly into the intellect by God. Sometimes this happens to men. Miraculously, in the case of St. Catherine of Siena, God had a mission for her to go and correct the Holy Father. So what did he do? She, she wasn't a lettered woman. He poured into her miraculously infused knowledge so she had a perfect knowledge of Latin and I don't know what else. Read, write, and so forth. Speak fluently in Latin. Okay? An instant infused knowledge. Adam. Adam was created as an adult. He didn't have time to learn anything. God infused all the knowledge Adam needed for, as, as, for his role as the head of the human race at the very moment that he has been created. Every angel at the very moment of its creation received all their ideas poured directly in from God. This is infused knowledge. Christ our Lord is the king of angels and men. In his human intellect, he also possessed infused knowledge. In fact, by his infused knowledge, our Lord knew everything 
except the essence of God. Everything that can be known about creatures, everything except the essence of God. That's what he knew. Three, that's infused knowledge. So we looked at beatific knowledge, infused knowledge. Third is acquired knowledge. To understand this, let's take a moment to talk about what's our natural way of learning as men. Like, how do we get to know what an apple is? When you're a little kid, maybe the first time you see an apple, you say, this is an apple. What do we do? We, we look at it, we hold it, we bite it, we smell it, we taste it. We can hear the way it crunches when we're chewing on it and so forth. So all these things, all this sensory information about how it smells and tastes and feels and so forth, all that information flows in through our senses into our mind and makes an image in our imagination, okay? And then our intellect goes, oh, that's an apple. Now, over time, we store that in our memory. Then we see, oh, the first time we see a red apple, then we see maybe a yellow apple, a green apple. We learn more about apples, and it just keeps modifying this image and so forth, and our intellect keeps working on it. But So the point is, we learn by experience of different apples and memory and pondering, and we get to know more and more about the nature of apples through this kind of experiential knowledge. We acquired the knowledge. I didn't know what an apple was when I was born. I had to be taught. All right? Acquired knowledge is the only way in which Christ our Lord can be said to have grown in knowledge. Let's take the example of the apple. In his divine nature, Christ our Lord knows everything. He created apples. There's nothing he can learn there about apples. In his human nature, in terms of his beatific knowledge, he knows everything there is to know about apples in his beatific knowledge. In terms of his infused knowledge, he knows everything there is to know about apples. Okay? The knowledge of all creatures was poured into his intellect. All right? So we're out of three out of the four. So unlike his beatific and infused knowledge, which are both perfect from the moment of his conception, our Lord acquired knowledge of apples. How? Even though he already knew everything that could be known about apples, the first time he held an apple and smelt it and bit into it and so forth, he had those sensations for the very first time. He acquired the sensory experience of what an apple is, and he formed an image in his imagination from that sense information flowing in from his eyes, from his mouth, and so forth. And then his perfect intellect recognized it as an apple even though his intellect knew what it was. We know what an apple is when we eat it, too. I mean, after we know what an apple is, we don't know it like he does, but, you know, it's not like, oh, what's that? Every time he goes to the supermarket, something new. You know what an apple is. You remember? Well, he already knew perfectly, but it's the first time he experienced it, okay? He used his senses and his imagination, intellect, just like us, only perfectly. The whole point is to use all his human powers perfectly. He's not going to learn new truths. He doesn't have anything to learn. It's already there. His beatific knowledge and his fused knowledge and certainly in his divine knowledge, okay? The first time he heard Our Lady talk, he knew what he, she was going to sound like. He knew what she was going to say. He even knew how she was going to say it. But this is the first time he actually heard her, okay? He experienced it, all right? He didn't learn any new truths here. But that's what Scripture means when it talks about our Lord growing in wisdom. This is what they're referring to, okay? So let's review. We've seen that our Lord has one who and two what's. He's one person, a divine person, the second person, the most blessed trinity. That's who he is, God the Son. Okay, So everything he does is done by that person, God the Son. Okay, He's a divine person, not a human person. What is he? We've seen he has two natures, divine and human. He's God, which means he has a divine nature, so he can do all things possible to God. And he isn't going to learn anything. He knows everything, too. What kind of knowledge? Everything in his divine nature. He isn't going to learn anything. He isn't going to forget anything. So he knows everything. And he's man. That means he has a human nature, a body and a soul. So he can do all things possible to man. Eat, sleep, drink, bleed, die. And in his human nature, we've seen he has three kinds of knowledge. B, 
beatific knowledge, infused knowledge, and acquired knowledge. We've seen from the very moment of his conception, he had the beatific vision, so he could see the essence of God and all things, all things about creatures, past, present, future, everything in the beatific vision. He could see that and that knowledge. And his fused knowledge from the very first moment of his conception poured into his mind was the knowledge of all creatures. He could know all things about creatures right there. Everything he couldn't know about the essence of God. We've seen he had acquired knowledge, which means he experienced this use of his human powers, his sense, his imagination, and so forth. So so you experience the sound of Our Lady's voice or experience the look on St. Joseph's face or the smell of the air after a spring rain or whatever. He didn't learn any new truths, but it was we see that's what Scripture means when it's talking about he's growing in wisdom. Now let's close. There's a lot of consequences from this. But that's all we have time for today. I know this is a kind of heavy dose. We shouldn't be disappointed if certain aspects of our Lord seem mysterious and we just don't get it all. As any attentive person knows from their own friendships, another human person, another friend, is a very great uh, mystery. And in this case, we're talking about a divine person. But we don't have to worry, because God willing, and unlike the devil, we'll all have the opportunity to spend all eternity with our Lord, getting to know Him better and better, and working out all the details. Huh? God bless.